0: Hi, I'm Pastor Kaylee. Thank you for listening to this sermon from Wood Street Chapel in Fortuna, California. You can find out more information about our church at www.woodstreetchapel.org. So this morning we are continuing on our study through the the book of Mark, um, specifically in Mark chapter 4 today. Um, Do you guys have anybody in your life that just doesn't get it? (laughs) you know i'll I'll let you fill in the blank of what it is um you know you can can make that whatever you think it it might need to be but i think we can all probably think of those people that when presented with all the facts with all of the evidence they are consistently coming to the wrong conclusions And hopefully that person isn't sitting next to you this morning. But um, you know, as we come to these specific teachings of Jesus, as we come to this section of Mark, we see that you know he starts to use parables when he's speaking with people. He starts to to use these these stories that have a, a more meaning behind them, right? And and the message is going to to go out to these people but there's going to be different responses. You know, if if I stood up here this morning and you guys know I don't we don't talk politics in this spot here. <laughs> that that's not what we do, but but if I was going to be up here and if I was going to be pro or anti any specific political party depending on who you who I'm speaking with, depending on who is is sitting here in the chairs this morning, I'm going to assume there's probably going to be a few different responses, right? <laughs> if I was to say that I am so pleased that the Chiefs won the Super Bowl last week, <laughs> I would probably get some varied responses, right? <laughs> just, just saying. If I was to tell someone that I'm a believer in Christ... Depending on who I'm talking to, I'll probably get a different response, right? I would say, you probably assume that I'm a believer in Christ today, this morning, in, in, this, in this shirt as I'm standing up here you know, on a Sunday morning. But if I tell somebody that I'm in line with at the grocery store that I'm a believer in Christ, maybe it's not always that, that simple of a response, right? Some are relieved. <laughs> Some are offended. Where, where does that come from? Where, where does that, that feeling come from, it, it, this, this ability for some, two people to hear the exact same statement and yet for there to be these different results? It comes from the heart. Something as simple and straightforward as the Super Bowl to something as complex as my relationship with the creator of the universe, both of those things, the response to those things... Comes from the heart. And so this morning, I'm going to preach from the Word of God. That, that's, that's what we do. If, you've, <laughs> if we ever get to a point where we're not doing that, we need to have a conversation because that, that is what's going to happen here. And what will happen this morning is the exact same thing that will happen every single time I or someone else has preached on a Sunday morning. One of four things. And it's the same four things that Jesus is talking about. Some are going to be deceived, and by the time you get home, you're going to say, "Well, this didn't really apply to me today." Some are going to get excited, but there's not going to be any long-term change that comes from it. It says to me, "Well, that was that was interesting, but then we're, nothing's going to happen." and some are going to be really excited and eager and receive what what is presented this morning but then they're going to get distracted and go do something else and some are going to listen and bear fruit from what they receive this morning It's like, well, Matt, that's kind of pessimistic. Like, aren't we all just going to be in that fourth group? I would love it if we were all in the fourth group. That would be great. (laughs) Like, let's just make that decision, that agreement right now and say, yeah, we're we're all going to be in group number four and I could just go home. Like, let's just call it that. No, But, I mean, that is my prayer, right, is that we will always be moving towards that place of, of, of recognizing that, God, we what is coming from your word is relevant. What is coming from your word is applicable. There, there's something that I need to receive this morning. Even if on the surface, it's like, yeah, maybe not that time, but every time God's word is alive and well. It is alive and true and real and applicable regardless of your situa- situation. We all look around. I mean, we're different people. We have different experiences. We have different backgrounds. And yet this book, the Word of God, ties us together. So what's the the point of parables? We're going to read Mark 4, 1 through 13, and then we'll, we'll get into that. It says, again, he began to teach beside the sea. So just pause. Jesus is with his disciples and Jesus brought his disciples from the sea, and yet we consistently are seeing him coming back to the sea. That's, he's going back to the, to the people that he has context with. He's going back to the people that he has had relationship with. And so he's, he's going again to teach beside the sea, and a very large crowd gathers about him so that he got into a boat and sat in it on the sea. And the whole crowd was beside the sea on the land. And he was teaching them many things in parables. And in his teaching, he said to them, listen, behold, a sower went out to sow. And as he sowed some seed, it fell along the path and birds came and devoured it. And other seed fell on rocky ground where it did not have much soil and it immediately sprang up. But since it had no depth of soil, when the sun rose, it was scorched. And since it had no roots, it withered away. Other seed fell among the thorns, and the thorns grew up and choked it, and it yielded no grain. And other seed fell into good soil and it produced grain, growing up and increasing and yielding thirty fold and sixty fold and a hundred fold. And he said, "He who has ears to hear, let him hear." And then he he drops the mic. Like he who has ears to hear, let him hear, and 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 that's it. That's that's the teaching. And we have his disciples that are like, well, what do you think he meant by that? <laughs> and, well, it seemed like there was something about some grain and some seeds, and something about a rocky path and a, and good soil. So, but what do you think he meant? And so in verse ten, he says, and then when he was alone. The disciples at least waited until he was alone. Those around him with the 12 asked him about the parable. He said to them, to you has been given the secret of the kingdom of God, but for those outside, everything is in parables so that they may indeed see, but not perceive and may indeed hear, but not understand lest they should turn and be forgiven. And he said to them, do you not understand this parable? How then will you understand all of the other parables? Like this was the low-hanging fruit. These, the cookies were on the bottom of the shelf and you didn't get this one. Come on. <laughs> the parables of Jesus were, why, why, did he, why did he speak in parables? Let's just think about that for a minute. They didn't have the internet. They didn't have the newspaper. They didn't have the iPhone. They didn't have any of those things that we used to kind of Spread the word, right? And so if we use a short story, that's something that somebody can grab onto you that they can, can remember and they can repeat. And so there's some value in being able to have a message that is in a container that can be spoken again. And so that young boy that is in that group on the side of the seed that's listening. He then takes that message and then he goes to his family. And he says, you will never guess what this teacher just talked about. And he tells them the story of the seed. And they're like, well, what does it mean? And he's like, I don't know, but it was a really cool story. <laughs> and and so he who has ears, let him hear. It's kind of a, an almost... Uh, we're we're let off the hook a little bit. It's it's sometimes not our responsibility to make sure that we translate God's word in a way that another person receives it correctly. God's going to take care of that. One of the reasons that Jesus teaches in parables is so that it can be replicated, so that it can be, be spoken again. And, you know, if we think about if we said somebody, okay, you guys need to now go take everything that I'm going to talk about this morning, and I want you to repeat it word for word to the the person that you meet in the grocery store tomorrow. Like, yeah, you might get the the gist of it, but is it really going to have all of the detail? Probably not the same way. If I said, here's, you know, five lines, you know, of a, a very simple story, you're going to be able to repeat that a little easier. And so, what we see here is the teachings of Jesus required the hearers to be open to receiving what, what Jesus was sharing, but it also required some level of mental diligence. We're going to talk about what that means. And If you're starting at, Jesus, I am open to whatever it is that you have for me this morning. If that is your starting point when you're coming to God, he can work with that. If your starting point is, I'm really not interested in anything that's going on here today, but I'm here anyway. Can God use that? He can. Is it going to be as effective as if you showed up willingly and was like, here I am, use me? Probably not. (laughs) It's like, let's use a parenting illustration. If I have a child who is super excited about washing the dishes, which I don't have those, by the way. Uh, but but if I had one of those, Brandon, are you one of those kids who likes to wash the dishes? Is that are you really into that? No. <laughs> if if I have a child that's excited about what it is that they're going to be doing, versus a child that is begrudgingly showing up, saying, "Well." I'm going to do this because I was told I have to do this. Otherwise, I don't get to do this, this, or this. And then I compare the quality of that clean dish at the end of the day. I'm going to hazard a guess to say the one that's excited to show up and do it is going to have a cleaner dish than the one who's like, well, I'm just here to do what. <laughs> Sorry, Brandon. <laughs> so, I mean, you kind of understand that, though, right? It's it's we our first responsibility when it comes to receiving a teaching from Jesus is we have to show up ready to receive from the teacher. And then this brings us to the second half of it is now, now not only am I supposed to show up and be ready to receive from Christ, but there's also this need for mental diligence. and And I like that word because you probably don't know what it means. And, Sometimes it's good to have something there. We know what both of those words mean separately, but when you put them together, you have to think about it for a minute. What does it mean to be uh, diligent in our thought process as we're uh, approaching receiving from Christ, as we're learning from Christ? How many times have you noticed that reading the Bible is different than reading pretty much any other book? Typically, once you've read a book, you've, you've gathered most of what that author's trying to say. I mean, it, there's definitely people that read the same book over and over and over and over again, my son being one of them, and maybe you guys are too. But what I would hazard a guess to say is most of the time when you're reading a book that's not the Bible over and over and over again, you pretty much know what it's going to say. It's, it's not generally a surprise, This is one of my, my favorite books to read. This is The Count of Monte Cristo. Um, it's uh, written by Alexander uh, Dumas. Uh, he's a, a French author. He also wrote uh, like The Three Musketeers um, and so, some other books. So just kind of an exciting book to read. There's, it's a big book. It's a, a lot of pages. There's a lot going on there. I've read that book multiple times, and what I can say is, you know, text size, think, thankfully due to the internet, I didn't have to count every single word. There's about 200,000 more words in the Bible than there is in the, the Count of Monte Cristo. So <laughs> um, as to who did get to count all that is, is somebody else's problem, but um but the illustration still works. The Bible is the only book that I can read over and over and over again and yet come away with new information that is applicable to my life today, regardless of where I'm at. Friday morning, I was, I was reading in the book of Genesis. And for the first time, I realized that Ishmael, Isaac's brother, Isaac's half-brother, who had been sent away by Abraham with, with Hagar into the wilderness, had been sent away, he came back. And I, for some reason, I, I never realized, I never took the time to notice. I, I just wasn't paying attention to that specific detail that Abraham is dead. And when Abraham dies, Ishmael comes back. And he comes back to help bury his, his father. And I don't know why that stood out to me. That has nothing to do with what we're talking about this morning. <laughs> but I, I say that to, to just point out that I've read the Bible a few times. <laughs> I, I am very much aware of, of the overall context of the Bible, of, of you know, what is present in the books of the Bible. I've read through it a number of times. And yet still, there are things that stand out of, this is something that's relevant for me today. And so mental diligence comes about when we make a conscious decision to allow Holy Spirit to focus us and focus our attention on what he has identified as the point of focus for us today. He who has ears to hear, let him hear. That's the Holy Spirit in me saying, hey, this is what it means when we're talking about a sower and his seeds. We're not talking about somebody throwing wheat seeds on a field. We're talking about the word of God being sown in the hearts of men. And that's not your brain figuring out what it is that's being talked about there. That's the Holy Spirit saying, hey, you should pay attention to what's being said here. He who has ears to hear, let him hear. Imagine just getting the first half of this scripture, and Jesus closes with, he who has ears to hear, let him hear. And you start walking home, and you have to try to figure out what is it that this is all talking about? What what does this all mean to me? And then we see in verse 10, the disciples are like, see, what does it mean? Inquiring minds would like to know. Um, can I tell you, if you are having a hard time studying scripture, if you come to a part of scripture where like, I don't, I don't get it. We were on a hard part of scripture a couple of weeks ago, where it was like, Jesus was saying, who is my mother? Who is my brother? And you're like, man, that seems kind of disrespectful, Jesus. Like Maybe you need to get your act together. Like, I don't think we're supposed to think that, right? So... Obviously, there's, there's more to that than, than what we're initially understanding. So if you're having a hard time studying Scripture, if you don't understand something that you see in the Bible, you know that's okay. In fact, if you're at the point where everything that you read in the Bible, you're like, I got this. I don't need any help. If, if you're at that point, you need to slow down because you are not paying enough attention. But what we need to do is we need to follow this example right here is when you don't know what it is that Jesus is saying, you go to Jesus. Simple as that. The disciples are like, you know, we don't know what all this means, but we're pretty sure you do. <laughs> so so why don't why don't you just fill us in? <laughs> and so the the teaching that we see coming from Jesus can it's the the same teaching that can cause the the heart of one person to repent, can cause another person to resist even more. Have you ever seen that? Where where again, it's the same words that are being said, and, and one response is to to turn and to to come to God and say, God created me a clean heart. <clears throat> And renew a right spirit within me. God, make me right with you. That that exact same word can then make somebody else just completely upset, completely angry with everything that's being said. If I was here this morning, we, we were talking about finances. Anytime you start talking about money, it can be received two different ways, right? We can get some that are offended, that, that think like the church is out to grab everybody's money, and then, then you have others that are, are genuinely interested to see what it is that God has to, to, to provide in terms of how, how he uses finances to bless his children. If we start teaching about serving in the church, everybody, there's some responses are like, oh great, here we go, I'm going to get asked to like work in Sunday school again, or, or I'm going to have to go like volunteer to do this thing or that thing. But then there's other people that are genuinely wanting to see what, how they can, can serve within the body of Christ. We, these two different responses, and just like we talked about before, comes down to the heart. So after Jesus makes it clear that the expectation of his disciples is that they would understand the meaning, he doesn't leave them at that spot. He then goes on to explain. And so we see verses 14 through 20. He says, The sower sows the word, and these are the ones along the path where the word is sown. When they hear, Satan immediately comes and takes away the word that is sown in them. And these are the ones sown on rocky ground, the ones who, when they hear the word, immediately receive it with joy, And they have no root in themselves, but endure for a while. And then when tribulation or persecution arises on account of the word, immediately they fall away. And others are the ones sown among thorns. They are those who hear the word, but the cares of this world and the deceitfulness of riches and the desires for other things enter in and choke the word, and it proves unfruitful. But those who are sown on good soil are the ones who hear the word, accept it, and bear fruit 30-fold, 60-fold, and 100-fold. And it's interesting, and this, once again, speaks to the Word of God being alive. In that most of the time when I have thought about, when I have have read this passage in Scripture, I have always thought about it in the context of people making an initial decision to follow Christ. Is, you know, is there, what is the condition of their heart? And that dictates their longevity in their walk with Christ. And I don't really think that's wrong, but I think that we can also say that that, Passage, this passage is still applicable for current believers today as well. So it's applicable for us right here, right now. Each time I have an opportunity to receive from the Word of God, I have to make a decision as to what type of soil I am going to be. What is the condition of my heart on this point in Scripture? What is the condition of my heart on this Sunday morning, February, I don't know what, 18th? And when I wake up tomorrow, what is the condition of my heart? And when I wake up the next day, what's the condition of my heart then? What's the condition of my heart in three hours from now? Do you know it changes? (laughs) And can I tell you, I have been all of these at different times in my life. Gosh, if I look back at the week, I've probably been most of these throughout the entire week. And so we, we start with this group of people who are the deceived. The seed on, on the path represents a deceived person whom Satan continually hinders. And as we think about these four different categories, you can kind of see this, this progression that happens. And I kind of think about it, if you think about like a city road, where you have a city road that's going past a farm. And so you start with the pavement, right? The street itself. Nothing has a chance to grow if you start sowing seed on asphalt. Except maybe a weed. <laughs> Stuff isn't gonna grow, right? And so we have the, the road that starts here, and then right next to that we have the shoulder, right? That's that's right off the side of the road, and, and that's normally gravel and it's really tamped down, and a lot of times the cars are not quite staying on the road well, and so they're running over stuff. And, and again, you're not going to have much that grows there. Anything that tries to grow is going to start, but it's going to die off pretty quick. And so we have that. And then typically, especially in Humboldt County, when you go a little bit off the shoulder, now we have brush. <laughs> we get poison oak, you get blackberry briars, you get all of the thistles, all of the, the mess, right? And then you go beyond that, and that's where we have the farmland. And that's where the seeds grow. And so you have this progression from the path to where everything actually grows. The closer you are to the world in this particular illustration, the less likely it is that God's truth will bear fruit in your life. And the further we get away from those distractions, the more likely it is that those things come about. Now, again, is that to mean that we're supposed to completely isolate ourselves and never be part of the world in, not of? Right? That's, that's the call of a follower of Christ, or to be in the world so that they see what Christ is in me, and I'm not supposed to be of the world. And so what we see here is, is a person who is is not showing up saying, God, what, what can I do? We, we, I welcome you here this morning. A person who's closed-minded and hard-hearted, they are going to struggle to accept biblical truth in their life. That, that's just the way it is. And so they, they are the ones that find themselves as the seeds s- sown on the path. And then we have the, this next group in this shallow area and the the shoulder of the road, the seed on the rocky ground represents a shallow person who fails to establish roots with which to grow. I'm not talking about shallow like the way we think of shallow, right? This is depth. As a pastor, I have seen too many instances where people make a decision to follow Christ and they start out and they are so excited. They're so enthusiastic. But as soon as the first hint of difficulty comes, they're done. I mean, that that has happened at Wood Street Chapel. We've we've had people that are like, sign me up. I am here for the long haul. How do I tithe? How do I what does it take for me to get baptized? And two weeks later I've never heard from them again. And so it's that, that is this person, okay? <laughs> just just going to throw it out there. I'm not, I'm not saying anybody has... I'm not naming anyone that does that. But I think we can all understand that is exactly what this is. It is somebody receiving in the moment what it is that God has for them, but not really render, recognizing this is a long-term deal. This is a not just a lifetime deal. This is an eternal deal. And yet... What we see here is a person who's maybe easily distracted or a person that, that is not able to recognize the importance of nurturing what it is that they've just received. And so instead, it's neglected. Did you know that happy feelings about your relationship with Christ are not enough. <laughs> that, that's, that's not going to last. <laughs> I, I just want God to make me happy all the time. Wouldn't that just, that would solve everything really, right? If, if God just made me happy all the time. But we've talked about this before. There's a difference between happiness and joy. Joy is that thing that I can have even in the midst of my hardest time. Even in the midst of of the most difficult situations where I may find myself. I can still have joy because of who God is in my life. I can still have joy because of the promises that he has given to me. I can still have joy because he is faithful. Weathering hardship and difficulty with Christ is what establishes us more firmly in the body of Christ. And we all say, well, I don't really like that. (laughs) I I would prefer we just skip the hardships and go straight to just being in the body of Christ. Well, I agree, that would be wonderful, but this side of heaven, that is not the way it works. And so then we come to this this third group where we have the distracted, right? Right? These are the ones that, where we're talking about the thorns and the, the thistles choking. The seed among the thorns is a person who is distracted, who is getting caught up in the world. The world as it is and the word of God cannot both possess your affections at the same time. Because if you try, the distractions of this world will always win. And the reason that is, the reason those distractions win is because as human beings, we we tend to lean towards the things that provide immediate gratification. We tend to to lean towards all of the things that, that make us feel good in the moment. Just one sec. All of the things that that make us feel better at that time, but we can't have both at the same time, and so we we have to set aside the the desires for the world and instead pursue what what God's word has for us. What do you have It absolutely can be. And so then we, we have the these people that that are trying to to have both sides of things. Yeah, I'm I'm coming to church. Yeah, I, I have a relationship with Christ, but I also really like what I'm seeing on this computer screen over here. All right? I also I I like how I feel when I, I'm drinking this, or when I'm participating in this substance, or, or when I'm doing this other thing. And if we're saying that we're going to be in both, this other thing is going to take you away from what God has for you. You cannot be in both. And you're saying, well, man, I'm not doing any of those things. Maybe it has to do with what I'm watching on Netflix every, every night before I go to bed. Maybe it has to do with how I'm using my time. Maybe it has to do with the books that I'm reading. I don't know. I'm not, I'm not God and I'm not you. So that, that's a you and God thing. But we have to make the choice and the decision to say, I am setting aside my hopes, my dreams, my rights, my pride. I'm setting all of those things aside. And instead, I'm choosing to take up the cross. And that brings us to the fourth group, the the fruitful group. The seed sown amongst the good soil represents a fruitful person who hears the word of God and says, I hear the word of God, and now I want to pursue the word of God in my day-to-day actions. And that word is important, actions. It's not just, I heard these things and we'll see, I'll pray about it. I'll go to a Bible study about it. I always like that illustration. If you tell your kid to clean their room, and they they come back and say, I'll pray about that, Mom. It's like, well, no. (laughs) I just need you to clean your room, please. Thank you. (laughs) And yet, we feel completely justified in doing that to God. God's saying, hey, I want you to go do this. He's like, I'll I'll pray about it, God. He's like, no, I, I just wanted you to go do it. Well, God, I'm going to go to this Bible study, and and when I'm ready, then I'll do it. Well, no, I need it now. And since you're not making yourself available, I'm just going to get somebody else that will be. Because did you know that God doesn't need you for anything? Well, Matt, that seems harsh and rude. But it's true. He doesn't need us for anything, because God God doesn't need anything. He gives us the opportunity to, to partner with him, to to join with him in his mission of bringing all the nations of the earth to him. And so when when I show up and say, God, I've got other things I'm going to do, it's like, okay, you can go do those other things. That is not going to disrupt my mission on this earth. That is not going to disrupt my plan. It is just disrupting your opportunity to be a part of it. And so the seed that's sown amongst the good soil is saying, I'm giving up my idea of what I was going to do, my agenda, my schedule, and saying, God, what do you have for me today? Use me. The, the seed sown in fruitful soil is the, the process of being saved, right? The sanctification, if we're using the big church word, right? It's the, the process of after I receive the gift of salvation that God has, has made available to me as a sinner, Once I receive that, there is then a change that happens in me on an ongoing basis up until the time that I die and go to be with him in heaven. I am consistently moving towards, hopefully forward, (laughs) sometimes back because we are people, but hopefully forward, becoming more like Christ. That is the call that exists in our lives, and that is what happens when we're sown in fruitful soil, is the word of God grows in us and we become more and more of an accurate reflection of who Christ is. So, as we kind of come to a close this morning, super easy question. Which of the four are you going to be this morning when you leave? (laughs) <laughs> like, it, it almost feels rude to ask, right? Because we're we're just like, well, obviously we're all going to be the fourth one. <laughs> but you don't get to default into number four. Because we're sinners saved by grace. And I, there's nothing in me that makes me good enough to be a part of this other than the Holy Spirit living in me. And so, can I tell you that if you leave it up to the defaults, it's going to be one of the other three, not the fourth. (laughs) If you say, I'm just going to show up and see what happens, we're going to have a problem. The only way that we get to number four, the only way we we allow uh, our hearts to be that fruitful soil is when we make the decision to make it so. We say, God, I am... I am consciously making the decision this morning to make myself available for what you have for me today. You're like, Matt, you probably should have led with this. (laughs) That has to be our our prayer. And and can I tell you that it's not just our prayer when we show up to, to church on Sunday morning right? Do we start to understand that this, this needs to be my prayer before I sit down and, and have my my devotion time in the morning. This needs to be my prayer before I get into that hard conversation with one of my employees. This needs to be my prayer before I get into a conversation with that person at the at the grocery store, right? I know I always use the grocery store. For, I promise, I'm not having like a bunch of weird interactions at the grocery store, but <laughs> it's just one of the few places that I actually go and interact with other people because I work from home. So, <laughs> So, but does that make sense? Like that—that that has to be the the prayer, the cry of my heart. It has to almost be a reflexive uh, process that is just built into me. Like it just has to be part of my nature of of God. I'm making this choice on an whatever it needs to be hourly, minutely basis. Of God, correct this. Bring bring me back to a point where I'm ready to receive from you. And so when those distractions come up, when those weeds come up, because they will, when they come up, it's not, oh, I failed. I guess I just need to stop trying and I'm just going to fail. No, God, pull the weeds and let me get back to where I can actually be at a spot where I can focus on you. If... The, the situation is I, there's shallow roots because I'm in rocky soil where, where I'm not devoting enough attention or I'm allowing myself to be distracted. God, take the rocks out and get me back to a spot where I can be focused on you. This, just because the seed lands in that soil doesn't mean we can't fix the soil. What what kills me is when we have people that are saying, well, I didn't read my Bible this week, so I, I, I was planning to read for a whole year straight. But I, I missed it five days in, so I guess I'm done. I I failed. And I mean, my my response to those people, because I've had those conversations, and my response to those people is, you missed lunch yesterday, are you just done eating? Like... That's what it is. It's that important. Yeah, okay, you messed up. Great. Everybody does come back and and we're just going to try again tomorrow. And when you mess up tomorrow, we're going to try again the next day and again and again and again because that's what it means to be being saved. We're not perfect people. We're never going to be perfect people this side of heaven. And so we just pick up where we left off. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, We thank you that you sow seed in us. We thank you that you give us the opportunity to receive from you on a daily, hourly, minutely basis. God, that you want to be with your children. What an awesome opportunity that is for us. And God, it it is dependent on us to make sure that the, the seeds that are sown land in the soil that will bear fruit. And God, if, if we are here this morning and if there are rocks that need to be removed, if there are weeds that need to be pulled, God, if, if there are things that are causing distraction, there are things that are causing the, the soil to not be in a place where fruit can, can grow, God, remove it. In Jesus' name we pray. God, make us like you. I want to know you, Lord. I want to know the power of your resurrection. I want to know who you are. And God, as we become more and more like you, as those seeds take root, as, as fruit is, is born in our lives, Lord, others can look to us and see that that's what it means to be a follower of Christ. That's what it means to be a child of the King. That's what it means to be in relationship with Jesus. God, that's what we want in our lives. We want to be seen as yours. We want to be known as yours. And so God, as as each one of us this morning leaves from this place and goes back to our homes, goes back to the grocery store or or anywhere else that we may need to go, God, as we leave this this place and go out into the world, cause us to be recognizing the choice that we have. And Lord, help us to, to make the right choices. In Jesus' name we pray, amen.